You are so crazy. <laughs> we are back with Crosstalk on the Pink Knees. Hey, y'all, we didn't take a hiatus. Yay. We're probably trying to be more uh, consistent here. Uh, forgive us for our... Yeah. AKA scheduling. Yeah. It's fantastic. So, <clears throat> I'm kind of excited. It's on a Monday. Yeah. It's been an awful day. But I'm alright with it. It's way better to talk. Awful for real though. And just mm, hectic. Okay. But I was very happy to get home. Oh, I feel that. Yes. Mm. Yes. But it's all good. So we're gonna talk about some awesome stuff tonight. Yeah, that's gonna be very interesting. So, I know we had been talking a while. I think, in fact, probably this topic is one of the things that got us thinking about doing a podcast to begin with. And that is the subject of truth versus tradition. That's a fact. Uh, The two are not necessarily synonymous, depending on different backgrounds, denominations, and... Amongst many other factors, you know, but we're going to break down a few things on this episode. So, Love Bug going to take lead. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here. You know, I'm still here. But <laughs> Well, it's funny. We were talking um, earlier last week about, like, I, I love diving into, like, biblical stories and looking at historical stuff. Like, I love all of the, the scripture um, related stuff where Eric is really good with like putting it into modern day examples. So we're going to kind of mesh some of that tonight. See if we can get some interesting talking points going. But in my individual study lately, like Old Testament girl all the way, but I have been studying in the middle of the Gospels and I think probably one of the most interesting topics I have seen has really been Jesus' relationship with the Pharisees. Mm. And just some interesting stuff that has come up there. And I am going, I'm going to reference one of the scriptures in particular in Matthew. I think you can find this Matthew and in Mark. Um, I just finished up with Mark, so I have not hit Luke and John yet. So I can't really reference a lot in there. So this is probably going to be coming mainly from Matthew and Mark. Um, But this is in chapter 15, reading from the NLT. Uh, It says, Some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law arrived to see Jesus, and they asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. And then Jesus steps on the scene and says... (laughs) And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? Mm. Talk to him, Jesus. Why do you, by your traditions, you can almost put that like in parentheses, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? Jesus gives an example. For instance, and this is so interesting, y'all. For instance, God says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother mother must be put to death. But you Pharisees say that it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. 
And in this way, you say they uh, they don't need to honor their parents. So you cancel, listen to this, you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition, you hypocrites. And he said that with an exclamation point. Yes. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. Farce. That's an interesting word. (laughs) For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Listen to that again. They teach man-made ideas as commands from God. How many people y'all know like that? Hmm. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna back up I'm gonna explain this scripture and kind of put it in you know the the scriptural reference and then we're gonna try to like shift to modern day what this looks like. So y'all, this is absolutely insane. But think about it. Think about it. I'm thinking right now. Yep. Who were the people in Jesus' day who knew the commandments of God? knew the Old Testament laws, knew everything about Old Testament scripture, who are the ones who knew it the best? I know Paul was that dude who formerly Saul. And he was still Saul in Jesus' day. Yeah. Who who were the ones who knew it the best? The Pharisees. (laughs) The Pharisees, y'all, were the ones who knew everything the best. And yet, you see Christ here really just calling them out mm-hmm. on the flawed error of their ways. When you actually look back, I had to do some research on this because I was so curious about, okay, what what is Jesus referring to by their traditions? Mm-hmm. So when I looked it up, oh, let me pull this up. This was, this was kind of mind-blowing. Pharisaical laws. So this is anything that was added to what, you know, the laws of Moses were, what all that stuff looked like. Okay, so in the Pharisees' system, they had a total of 613 laws. That is a lot. Let that sink in. That's too much. How are you supposed to remember all that? Uh, Hey, hey, quick reference. Let me pull it out of my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, 613 laws divided into negative and positive laws. Basically, you should not, you should not laws were 365. Hey, one for every day of the year, according to our calendar. Um, And then positive laws. So you can, blah, blah, blah. There was 248 of those. Wow. Total of 613 laws in Insane. Insane. That's freaking wild. And to throw even extra on it, I'm reading out of one of the commentaries that I found this was so interesting. There was um, like a collection or a book called the um, Talmud that um, was kind of like had the Jewish traditions and that stuff in it. And check this out. So there was a rabbi who is quoted here when it talks about uh, the traditions that these Jewish leaders had. And this is what it says. He who expounds the scriptures in opposition to the traditions 
has no share in the world to come. Dang. Point blank. Per. If you try to discredit the traditions with scripture, you will have no part in the world to come. That's, That's how crazy. seriously they took that. And then this other one, other quote says, um, this particular Talmud, it records, it is a greater offense to teach anything contrary to the voice of the ra- rabbis, so the Jewish leaders, it is a greater offense to teach anything contrary to the voice of the rabbis than to contradict scripture itself. Wow. Does it make a little more sense now while Jesus was like, Yeah. Y'all are a stumbling block. All right, so let me hit real quick on what Jesus meant in this particular subject or scripture, and then we're going to hit some modern day stuff. So there was um, like a all these ceremonies that the Pharisees had. I mean, I can't even list all of them. And it, it's crazy how mm, how many things that they did just to be seen, like being able to wear um, large prayer boxes on them to look super spiritual. There were tassels that the men wore um, at the bottom, almost like a fringe on their robe to identify them as Jewish. And Jesus actually called them out and says they make the, they make them longer than they have to be to look super spiritual. It's insane. Right? So in this particular uh, discussion going on, the Pharisees were upset because the Disciples hadn't basically hadn't washed their hands before they ate. There was like a whole ceremony of hand washings that you had to do so you could wash off any uncleanness. And Jesus was like, it ain't what you put in your belly that's going to defile you at what comes out of your mouth. Right? So he was saying, you were taking this tradition and actually breaking God's commandment. Because in that day, one of the things the Pharisees would do is that they had a family member who would like needed to borrow something or needed help or was like in a financial crisis, guess what they would do? They were so stingy and greedy as being part of the temple too. They would take the money that their family member or somebody desperately needed and would vow it to put it towards God's work so they would not have to use that money to give to their family for help. That's kind of wild and very contrary to what the character of God, especially through Jesus Christ, is all about. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, mm-hmm. they were able to get that money back anyway because it was vowed to God. So I had to go to the temple. And who are the temple workers? <gasps> some of the Pharisees. Yeah, it was. They were shady that's, characters. That's super corrupt. It's kind of like. I just think of them. And I kind of want to. And maybe even people like them, even in modern day churches who have that kind of character I it it boggles me because I truly believe that or at least I just think like how can you believe in God at least the true God as you say you read about study understand his character and everything like that how could you do something contrary to everything that he would approve of and just believe that it's okay like that, I I don't get it. Like I would legit have to have like a legit conversation with some boldness and just be like, bro, I've seen some things that you've done, and according to the God that we serve, read about, pray to, and believe in, 
you kind of ain't adding up, man. Like, I don't... Like, could you explain that? Like, I, I feel like there's, is the, there's a root of uh, unbelief in it at the core of that because, I don't know, like, belief dictates action. So mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't see how you can be corrupt and, and just and have that in your heart and, I don't know, just have that nasty disposition in you and just do these corrupt things that would displease God. Do you truly believe in that God that you say you know so much about? Well, I think that's mm. probably part of living in the flesh versus the spirit, too, because I think as humans, we are we do have a, ten- t- a tendency to be selfish in nature. That is true. And if mm. the spirit is not working inside of us or we're not taking time to nurture the spirit that is inside of us, and yeah, the the works of the flesh gonna be showing up, and part of that is greediness, selfishness, just yeah, all about number one. Yeah, that's true. Uh, salute to Jesus and the new hearts and the Holy Spirit and everything that He gives us as children of God. Cause I don't know, I I, I can't act like I wasn't a heathen once before and wasn't mm-hmm. selfish. So I'm not finna like play like I've been like this my whole life because I can actually recount some examples in which I was very jacked up. But anyway, um, I don't know. It, I, I think just putting it, when you constantly see the Pharisees, it's kind of a, it gives you a gratitude to God for what you probably, you know, reminding you what you once were in a Pharisaical manner. Cause I'm pretty sure we all self-righteous. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm not, I can even recall situations where I, I, I compare some myself to someone else, which really, places yourself on a particular pedestal because only mm-hmm. God sits that high to judge two humans and, and it's by his standard and not us versus each other. Otherwise, he will be a guy that shows favoritism and that's not it. But Oh, speaking of... We, okay, mm-hmm. we got to dive into these modern day truths, tradition stuff. We, we got to go there. All right. Okay, so speaking of what you just said about favoritism... One thing I think that comes up sometimes, eh, probably more than we like to let on, is um, dress, outward appearance. What is some of your take on outward appearance? Um, I'm going to keep it real. Uh, shout out to Jesus for this. Um, this is just something I just believed in, like, through the transforming our mind, you know, by reading scripture, but... I kind of don't pay attention to outward garments. Now, I'm not going to say I'm completely ignorant and blind to what people wear. That's not what I'm saying. I don't focus on that as much as the character of the person that wears the clothes. Mm-hmm. Now, do I understand that there are certain men and women. It's kind of hard for me to picture men, though, because women got more to show. <laughs> Salute to y'all. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I have been in some church environments where I've seen some women wear some things that kind of expose certain areas of their body, which could be a stumbling block. Now, that is one thing that, I mean, the Bible tells us the women to dress modestly, you know, and stuff like that. Because we're all accountability partners at the end of the day. This is what it is overall. But uh, some of y'all religious rules that I know you had more experience in than I did. Mm-hmm. By the way, if anybody needs to... Um, a reminder i'm black my wife's white i'm i'm from the city she's from the country like south like people probably don't like our situation i, I don't care because they're not gonna say nothing but um yeah they had a lot of rules that i was just unaware of mm. you know as far especially in regards to clothing 
Would mm. you like to uh, elaborate on? No, not really. Okay, cool. They mm. said I think... women can't wear pants, so they go to hell. I was, I still can't believe that's, and that's still a belief. But my bad, I, I'm not going. I'm not going to. You that. could, yeah, we could mm. rabbit trail. I'm trying to stay extremely focused tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we well, could rabbit trail on so many different topics, mm. but I want to get to the heart of it. Of course, mm. modesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That mm. should be first and foremost, oh, yeah. modesty. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another tradition that we'll segue into that can probably p- be part of the clothing issue, too. Um, it's not going to matter, like you've said before, per- if a woman is fully clothed or not. If a person has lust in their heart, they're going to lust after you, regardless, regardless of what you're wearing. a factual thing. That was from you, sir. So thank you for setting me free on that. Uh, but yes, you should dress modestly. That is, I believe, our duty. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to not be a stumbling block. Yeah. Um, but this is the other spin. This was something that I had heard growing up several times. Is you want to present yourself um, as your best when you go to church on Sunday. You want to show up in your best and as your best. Probably more so in your best. Sunday best is what it was called. Um, But while I believe in bringing your best to the Lord, I also want to hit on that. Is that a tradition or is that a truth? Because I believe James contradicts that particular Sunday best attire. As this is what James says. For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes. I like this one. I like this one, I like this one too. Mm. And expensive jewelry. And another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well... Doesn't this show discrimination Mm -hmm. that your judgments are guided by evil motives? A.K.A. your flesh. Yeah. That's unfortunate. I've seen one of those little rumor mill type situations on Facebook where Mm -hmm. it has like this elaborate story of a pastor who's the new pastor of a certain church and sat outside of a church as a homeless homeless person Mm -hmm. and came into the church and just pretty much put everybody on blast for who treated him wrong and stuff like that. And I was just like, I wonder if that's true, because I don't necessarily believe stuff that goes on Facebook, especially if it gets shared and has over a million shares. I don't know. I'm just skeptical after the number is a certain limit. But, um, yeah, it, it makes sense. Um, I think one thing I've should, that's been common in a lot of my mentors that don't even know they're my mentors, Cornelius, Lindsay, amongst many other, um, other Christians in the body and stuff like that, based on books I read and stuff like that, is that... People, you have to see people as image bearers first. Mm-hmm. Image bearers of the Lord. Like, there's a reason that when, uh, when Saul was on the road to Damascus, on the road to Damascus, and you know Jesus pretty much just changed his whole life. Had him shook on that street, by the way. <laughs> but at the same time, he identified with the church. He said, "Why are you persecuting me?" He identified with the body, mm-hmm. even in the, even in the gospels where he says, "As you done unto the least of these, you also done unto me." He identifies with us, you know, and it's just kind of like I don't that, that just sticks for me. Like as much as my flesh, I'm not for that. Like all my thoughts ain't. I don't have them thoughts that ain't pure, especially with somebody do me grimy. Uh, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, I'm, I'm perfect, but at the same time, you kind of have to you know, hold those thoughts captive as the word says too. And you have to just for the glory of God in your actions, 
you have to see people as God sees them. And there's a lot of there's a lot of mercy and there's a lot of grace and things like that that you can show someone because you don't necessarily know what people are going through. Every action, whether it's pleasant or nasty, it's derived and rooted somewhere. If you see it like that first, it's easy to be more graceful. That's just me. Let's segue Mm. into the next, and I'd like to hear your opinion there. When it comes to dress, Mm -hmm. that can also segue into culture. Okay, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And I guess the, the day and age that we live in, like time has a way of shifting, you know, cultures and dress and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate when it comes to social etiquette and Mm. you know all that i mean obviously you can look back at the 1800s and see that we're in a totally different you know setting attire all that type stuff it shifts as the time changes so um if we were to live in biblical times in you know israel um, probably not just in Israel, but in other countries as well, the attire there was robes. Mm. You know, men wore long tunics. Um, sometimes they were um, what they call breeches underneath. Mm. Um, and for a man to show some part of his leg <laughs> was not a good thing. A woman had to wear a head covering. Mm. Um, it depends on the culture and where you're at. In some societies today, there still is, you know, that... Um, head covering type uh wear going on and then in the late or in the early 1900s i think it was more permissible for women to wear dresses men to wear pants that type of thing so how do you feel like culture fits into our modern day where do you draw the line out of what's appropriate what's not and not just in clothing but in multiple things i'm even i'm gonna go ahead here i'm gonna go ahead here because we can hit it all at one time let's do it (laughs) probably the number one number one traditional issue that comes up in church is worship style of music (laughs) mic drop yeah I don't want to spend a lot of time here because it's not about tearing this apart or choosing right or wrong. I just want to look at it in the biblical perspective. Is this a truth or is this a tradition and how do we handle that? I think um, when it comes down to worship style music, it's kind of a double edge between preference and tradition. Um, I'm black, so I'm going to keep real. A lot of the gospel I like to hear is more soulful more rooted in struggle and stuff like that. Never would have made it by Marvin Sapp is like top tier gospel music to me. Fred Hammond, Kirk Franklin, stuff like that. I know some people are reserved about Kirk Franklin direction of music, but I'm just saying that's kind of what I grew up on. It was different. Um, of course I go to a predominantly white church. And I think I'm the only black person in there right now. Yes. I am the only black person right there. I don't feel like it though. Cause the love is there, but you know, it's, our worship style is a lot different. I've been transparent and say a lot of times, not all the time, because we got some hits that I can rock with. But it's on some of the songs, I'm just kind of like, eh, not for me. But like our pastor said, we're worshiping Jesus, not me. So I'm not necessarily nitpicky over it. A lot of people would rather have hymns. You know, a lot of people believe those power in them hymns. You know, and I do believe that there are. 
but you have to understand who's singing the hymns and the spirit that lies in those who are singing the hymns. What was the motivation behind what was being sung there? You know, like, it's not the hymns themselves. It's the story behind it. There are many powerful stories behind mm-hmm. some of the hymns that are written. But I can get behind a modern-day new version of a worshipful um, lyric just as much as I can an old hymn. Mm-hmm. There, I agree. it's. I don't feel like it takes away from the worship and the praise that I'm trying to give to Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's the whole reason why we're worshiping and singing to start with. So yes, in my opinion, I think it comes down to a preference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do I think there is a biblical verse that says thou shalt only sing hymns? Nah, I ain't find that yet. Do I see a scripture that says you should not partake in worldly arrangements mm. of music? Yeah, I gotta stop singing "Happy Birthday" to y'all kids. Bless you, stop. That um, is that's, technically a secular song. Yeah, well, mm. that's where I'm gonna leave that. It's. <laughs> I think when it comes down to it, I think you have to make a decision. Are you going to reject culture? Are you Mm -hmm. going to reject what is moving forward in our day and age? Because it's going to look different again in another 20 years if we last that long. Mm -hmm. Or are you going to redeem the culture? Absolutely. I think also, I think everybody should be making their own individual decisions in anything they do. Like, if everybody is worshiping out of a sincere place in their heart to God, if that's done as a collective, that's beautiful unto the Lord because everybody's truly worshiping. Because, I mean, some of the words of these songs, I can think of a scenario that matches what it's talking about. Uh And that's where my place of worship is coming from in that instant. If everybody's doing that, that's just beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Who cares what type of song it is at that point? True. You know, so... I mean, that's just how I feel on that. Spirit of spirit. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's just how I feel on that. All right. Just a couple of little eh, small ones, but still some that kind of comes up. Um, (laughs) I have seen or heard of um, just absolute outrage in congregations being split down the middle over, you know, the color of carpet, new light fixtures, whether or not to have a pulpit. Um, removing things from the stage and I'm I'm totally not talking about I'm talking in generics not Mm -hmm. like our particular church Um, I'm just seeing this over the years or heard of different situations where this has happened and another thing comes in with um, service times yeah you know sometimes there are larger congregations where they're able to have a um, multiple services if needed to accommodate is there something that says you have to have church time on this specific day at this specific time? Nah, not really. Um, one of my favorite movies, Rush Hour. And uh, <laughs> Chris Tucker asked, oh boy, why you wasn't in church Sunday? I had some things to take care of. But I made the night service, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, uh, if you have a, I mean, if your church body is close to communion as possible, as y'all would hope it is, um, y'all know the people in y'all church. If it's big, it gets kind of crazier, though. Mm, if it's a small, relatively small church, but yet there is a good amount of people in it, 
you know, certain people in your congregation may work during the day mm-hmm. and they need their service at night and stuff like that. It all at the end of the day, I truly believe it just comes down to the heart of serving your body with your gifts and your time. It yeah. is that simple. And the most impactful, mm-hmm. like I thought one of the most beautiful and like pinpoint examples was a church who decided to hold service at two o'clock in the middle of the afternoon on a Sunday because that's when they made the most impact in their community. Mm. Okay. Now that's when you have got kingdom vision instead of traditional vision there. Yeah. If you are a traditionalist, I'm not necessarily mad at it, but when you let that overtake any kind of opportunity that is available and you say, no, I'm just not going to deal with that because it's not according to my tradition of what I want to do. At that point, you're not really serving due to somebody's need, which I think that's what we should be doing. That's my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. But you're just trying to check off a box necessarily in a sense. And I think it Mm -hmm. comes back to traditions in themselves aren't bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there has to be, like, we would not be where we're at without people paving the way and upholding things. So this is not like a bash on tradition. This is just bringing a fresh perspective in what is really important here. Like, what are things that are holding us back from embracing truth? Yeah. What are things that are holding the church back from really making the impact that it could? Does it come down to really... If this is truly serving you, serving God, and serving others, or is it becoming a hindrance? Yeah. Is it something that is not, what's that, something that is permissible, but is not expedient? Yeah. You know? And and the other thing, too, is I like to bring it back to convictions. We can all have our own convictions. Like, one of our pastors at our church he has a conviction about going out to movie theaters because he doesn't want to put money into something that he feels like is filth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though there are necessarily tasteful movies, but at the same time, it offers untasteful things. Yeah. So, so yeah, he, he has a personal mm-hmm. conviction that he does not do that, um, but not everybody holds that same conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I respect is he does not look down on you or mm-hmm. try to convince you that it's wrong if you do it. That is his own conviction. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think people can get, it can get really hairy if people see a conviction as a truth yeah. and then try to push it off on you and mm-hmm. label you as sinning if you don't hold that same conviction. Yeah, conviction right. and truth are two different things and God can deal with us on those things. Yeah. I think um, healthy convictions most definitely edify you spiritually and they let you navigate in a place of freedom and safety at the same time. It's kind of like an accountability and freedom type thing, like law of liberty uh, in Romans 14. You know, you don't want to do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. That's a that's a that's a harder service. You know what I'm saying? You don't like if you had a friend that uh, was fire starter here um you had a friend that was once an alcoholic (laughs) and once he was delivered from that through uh jesus christ and through his uh, relationship with jesus if you do drink responsibly you wouldn't necessarily drink in front of him or in his company because that can be a stumbling block causing him to backslide 
You know what I'm saying? Like it's kind of that's that's a conviction type thing because I know Christians who drink responsibly. They don't necessarily drink crazy, but that's another story because I, I have started fires with that conversation. It happened at the school of ministry, sure. It did. Yes. And uh, I want to put a pretty mm, little bow on this. Okay. And this comes from Colossians chapter two. I think this kind of sums it up um, beautifully. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6, it's, and this is NLT. Oh, that's another tradition. The oh, right yeah, translation. <laughs> the KJV only. It's the closest to the Greek. I'm going to FYI this. If you want the actual unadulterated true word of God, then you need to be able to be proficient in reading Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew. Yeah, so that's the books. original language that the Bible was written in. So if you want the true, true translation of what it was originally, read up on your Greek and Hebrew, Shug. It's very interesting, though. Um, but do watch mm-hmm. out for what you do accept as yeah. Word of God. I personally like using multiple translations um, to cross-reference, fact-check, and I love digging into the root of the Greek and the Hebrew, so oh, yeah. I have an understanding because it's like color TV versus black and white TV. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It really is. Okay, sorry. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6, NLT here. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. As a fact. You must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him did you notice how many times i said him there aka jesus christ you need to be built on him then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness here is the warning do not let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Glory. High five. Yes. Yeah, I I mean, the word speaks for itself. (laughs) Honestly, that is saying you need to be rooted and grounded in Christ and in what he stands for. And don't be so swayed and overtaken by traditions, human, man-made thinking, man-made rules that you really miss the whole point of what having a relationship and what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. You need to reflect on everybody's words and compare them to the Bible anyway, because the Bible tells us to do that anyway. Test them fruits. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's all I got. This was good. I like truth versus tradition. Yeah, this is going to have to be a part two. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure we'll see something. But, yeah, let's talk about it. But, yeah. um, Thank you for tuning in. This was great. My wife can teach me. Anyway, <laughs> um, this was, uh, I appreciate everybody listening, tuning in, uh, taking this time out to uh, listen to our podcast. As usual, we want to just continually thank y'all for y'all's support, our listens everything else uh, we actually get pretty surprised at how many uh listens we get but we are truly grateful we hope that everything that we do glorifies god and edifies y'all spiritually convicts y'all now it just ultimately changes y'all's lives man because uh we all need it 
I know I've been convicted by a couple of our own episodes, you know, but when God is flowing through and you're going by the Holy Spirit, I mean, it's it's service, man. So uh, we just want to thank y'all. As usual, like I said, I want to start ending this thing off with an altar call, not necessarily saying you have to go to a church building, but uh, uh, time is running short. As usual, we don't know the day or the time Jesus will arrive, but you also don't know the day or time that you may pass away from this earth. As the Bible says, life is a vapor. So it's, it could be gone as quick as tomorrow. So uh, I, would, I would say anybody who says they are a Christian or anybody who's questioning Christianity, um, just reflect on your life. Seek God. And if you truly want to find God, if you truly want to hear from God, he will respond to you. Like, Seriously, like this is the guy's too big to hide. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, he sacrificed his son and he died for us on the cross to, uh, for the remission of our sins, for us to have a relationship with him. So, I mean, that, that says a lot. So, uh, you can walk in that truth, love in that truth and live in it and have a life that is changed through the love of Jesus Christ. Just open your Bibles. Or if you just want to reach out to us on Twitter at the underscore Pinkneys, if you have any kind of questions, concerns, or any kind of you know questions on how to get there or whatever just feel free to reach out um yeah that's uh that's all we got for today that's it my thing love you love you guys blessings people